1: read today from Matthew chapter 6, buckle up, it's Jesus, so Jesus got some stuff to say, here he is in verse 20, are you ready, say I'm ready, okay, all right, verse 20 is from the NLT, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also then verse 23, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and stay
0: standing, and we're going to pray. And what I want to pray for today is I want us to agree together for what's going to happen in this room just five days from now. Freedom Conference is going to be here this Friday night and Saturday, and I just want us to pray together that God will move, that we'll see chains broken, and maybe you need to pray about, should I be there? Should I come? Uh, Quite a few of you have already registered. Uh, Maybe you've been wrestling, going back and forth, And and I pose this question to kind of take on with what Taylor just said. You know, when was the last time you gave 24 hours fully and completely to God? And that's what this weekend would be for you. And I promise you, you will never, ever regret it. Money back guarantee. I will give you money if you're like, that was the worst waste of time in my life, Tyrone. What were you thinking? I promise you, you give 24 hours to God this weekend at Freedom Conference. And you will walk away and say, that was the best thing I I could have ever done that weekend. And so uh, I I really encourage you in that. And then also, let's just pray. Let's just pray for that and pray for for today. As we talk about freedom today, let's just pray and agree with what what the word of God says. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Spirit of the Lord is here. Freedom is here now for all of us in any and every area of our life. And so I pray that the freeing power of the Spirit of God would move in this place today. We're also going to pray and intercede for Friday and Saturday. Okay, just pray. Lord, thank you so much for gathering us here together, Lord. There's even people joining us online right now. Lord, I just pray that your Spirit would move in their life, wherever they're at, wherever they're watching or listening right now, that they would experience the freedom that you have, Lord, for all of us here today. Lord, we we just declare the truth of your word. Where your spirit is, there is freedom, and there's freedom in this place, Lord. Some of us, we're carrying around baggage. We're carrying around things. where We're stuck, and Lord, I just pray that you would release the oppressed. Lord, I pray freedom for the prisoners here this morning, Lord. Let it happen by the power of your spirit, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for this Freedom Conference this weekend, Lord. Right now, we just as a, as a Community of believers together just agree, Lord, that you're going to do great and mighty things. Lord, we look forward to it. Lord, we look forward to hearing about it, seeing it. God, would your spirit even now prepare our hearts for what you are going to do this weekend. Lord, I pray that there would be a radical shift that would take place within this church in the next seven days because your spirit is bringing new freedom, greater freedom. Lord, it's going to happen this weekend and it's going to happen right now. I pray in Jesus' mighty name amen. And, Lord, pray for the Arizona Cardinals. Help them to win, but just today. Amen. (laughs) You may be seated. Clearly, I lost a bet. So, last February, Family Month, we had Super Sports Sunday, I think is what we called it. And too many Cardinals showed up in their Cardinal jerseys and ousted the Seahawks fans out of their rightful place. And um, therefore, I was obligated to pray a prayer for the Arizona Cardinals sometime this football season. I took care of it today on day, day, week one. And uh, uh, just recommit to the mission that Jesus has given me. He sent me here from Seattle to make disciples of Jesus and of the Seattle Seahawks. That's where we're going. All right. Oh, guys, I just love what God's doing here uh, in our lives. I love that you're here today. And I want to throw the call out to some of you. Some of you, you need to hear what I'm about to say right here. And we have this disciple maker group that's been going for several months now. And there's there's several people that are really, really interested. They're like locked and loaded for us to start another disciple maker group. So it's something we're thinking about, seriously, we're praying about. And if you're interested in jumping into disciple maker, you wanna be a part of, of this movement. I really believe that God's gonna bring revival to this country through a disciple making movement. I believe that with all my heart, guys. It's happening all across the globe. And it's, we're just in the beginnings of seeing it here in our country. Our country is ripe and ready for a fresh revival for a mighty move of God. And I believe it's gonna happen through a disciple-making movement. So if you're interested in being a part of it, maybe you've been reading this book, Miraculous Movements, God's Stirring Something Within You, let me know, we're gonna consider and and, and pray about launching another disciple-maker group in addition to the one that we already have. And if you wanna be a part of something new that God is doing, if you sense a stirring, like, I just feel stuck, I'm not sure, there's something more I should be doing, I'm called to do, then let me know. And uh, we can talk about this disciple maker thing. So today we're starting a new series. It's called Financial Freedom. I'm excited about this series. I think God has some things he's going to really speak to us. He's going to really help us in. And let me just start by saying this. Freedom is only found when we live life the way God wants us to live. It's important we understand this. This is the only way you and I can truly experience freedom. When we live life the way God wants us to live. And there's a lot of people that would look at a statement like that and say, it doesn't really make sense. It seems, it even feels counterintuitive. Like, isn't freedom like me doing whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want? That sounds like freedom to me. And a lot of people would say, that's that's freedom. That's what freedom is. But I propose that true freedom is found when you and I live the way God has called us and wants us to live. And here's why. Because God created all of this. He is the author of your life, of life. He's the author, creator of everything that exists. Doesn't it make sense that we should trust his ways, who thought this, this whole thing up, who gave you life, who has purpose and calling and plans for your life? Doesn't it make sense that we would trust the one who thought this up and put, put this in motion? He has ways that sometimes go against our ways. But what I've learned is it's better for me to trust his ways than my ways. And what I've learned is that my way can feel like freedom at first, but it can lead into a place of bondage and slavery. And it's just, it's not true freedom. True freedom is only found when you and I live life the way God wants us to live. Guys, I'm so thankful for what God has done in my life. Maybe you're like me and you think, I don't know where I'd be without God. I think back to years ago, I was a teenager and I had this encounter with God. I found myself in this season, maybe you can identify with this, where I wanted nothing to do with God. I wanted nothing to do with church. I was kind of anti all of that. I'd seen it, been there, but it was just, it just, people didn't seem to be living it. I was hurt by some things and I just was very anti that. And I had an encounter with God that changed me forever. And I came to this point in that moment where I realized, God, you're real. I can't run from you anymore. And I really need to live for you. And so in that moment, I surrendered my life to Jesus. I haven't been perfect. I've had many struggles since, but I've never, ever regretted that decision where I fully surrendered my life to Jesus. And I've never looked back. I've felt like it at times, but I've never looked back. And I'm just so thankful for what Jesus has done in my life, guys. I just stand up here as someone who has allowed Jesus to work in their life. And I've experienced the power of his love. I've experienced the power of the freedom that he brings. And so we're gonna talk about financial freedom, but it's important that you and I understand that he can bring freedom to any area of our life. He wants you to be free in every area of our life. But it's, I think especially for a lot of us in the area of finances. When we think about finances, too many people are living what I would call financial burden, or financial stress. Financial freedom does not describe their life, but God wants you to be free, yes, in this area of your life as well. So I think this is an important topic for us to talk about so we can truly be free in all areas of our life. And what I've learned is, you know, being in ministry, being a pastor for 25 years now, I've learned that this can be an interesting topic to approach within the church setting, You start talking about finances. It's as if I could say, guys, we're going to talk about the devil and hell. We're like, all right, that's fine. Okay, it's no big deal. I start talking about the tithe. You're like, "Well, wait a second, Tyrone. No, no, we, we 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 can't go there. It's like people are more open to talking about the devil and hell and sin than we are finances. But we're going to talk about finances for several reasons. Number one is because Jesus talked a lot about it. And so we're going to learn from him what he has to say and what how he can help us. Uh, other reason is I want you to know that you can trust God in this area of your life. And it will help you. Also, I believe that the word tithe can be one of the f- most freeing, one of the most empowering words you could ever experience in your life. And so we're gonna take some time the next few weeks to talk about financial freedom. We're going to talk about finances, talk about stewardship. And when we talk about stewardship, what I'm referring to is these four areas of our life that I think we need to steward well. Our time, our thoughts, our talents, and our treasures. You and I have all of these things, and I pray that you manage, that you steward all those areas of your life well. And in this series, we're going to focus on the treasures, our finances, our stuff. And what I believe is that the reason many people stress about their finances because they're living life with a closed fist in regards to them. We have this posture when it comes to our our money and our finances are like, this is mine. I worked hard for this. I went to school, I'm still paying off debt because of that schooling and I trained and I got this job, I worked hard, this is my money. I'm gonna spend my money how I want to spend it. No one else is gonna tell me how to spend my money. And we can maybe not always admit that, but sometimes that's how we act or that's how we feel internally. We have this closed fist mindset about it and that the common theme within that is mine, me. I wanna do this the way I want to do this, but here's what I've learned in life. Anything you and I have a closed, closed fist towards is gonna to cause us to worry and stress. That's why I wanna encourage you to have this posture, an open-handed posture in every area of your life, but especially in regards to finances. Because again, this brings stress and worry and fear. I'm trying to control this. I got to take care of this. But what if I try this? And some of you, this might be revelation for you. What if I try this posture? Okay, God, you gave me the ability to make this money. And I'm going to trust you in this area of my life as well. Would you help me? And what you find is with that posture in your heart, you begin to discover a, a, a new a new season, a new feeling even of freedom in your life that you never thought was possible in regards to your finances because it's always been stressful and and, and it's been about control and it's really been about selfishness. But this posture can bring freedom to your life. So let's look at some words of Jesus here. Luke chapter 16, Jesus says this. You guys still with me? You doing okay here? Okay, here we go. Luke 16, verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Everybody say true riches. True riches. Interesting words that Jesus uses there. And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You read through the teachings of Jesus and you you come to areas where he talks about finances and treasures and money. And you realize Jesus just goes straight to the point. He's like, let me just tell you like it is. You can't serve both God and money. Now, there are many things in our life that can be a God. Jesus could have used any example in there, right? You cannot serve both God and your career. You cannot serve both God and your relationships or your spouse or your kids or, or, or sports. Or I mean, there's so many things that we could, they become a God for us. But Jesus chooses to use money, and I think he's very intentional about that. I think Jesus understands us more than we understand ourselves. And he knows this is going to be that one thing that's going to always rise to the top in our life and it is going to be the thing that people are going to look to as their God. Perhaps more than any other issue, any other potential God in our life, money is the thing that rises to the top quickly, fast, it is easy. And we think that... Money is the answer to all of our problems. Let me just suggest that God is the answer to all of your problems, not money. All right. And so Jesus is just telling us like it is. Hey, you can only have one God. So choose who or what is going to be your God. And Jesus gives us a choice. He doesn't force us into this. He lets us choose. He's saying, are you going to let me be your God? you Are going to serve me? you Are going to follow me? Are you going to trust me in every area of your life? Or are you going to go after all this other stuff? You can only have one God. You can only have one master. You can't have two. And then before that, Jesus says some very interesting things. Like whatever we have right now, you might think it's very little. It might feel like very little. Maybe you, you feel like, no, I got a lot now. But whatever it is, wherever you're at right now, are you faithful with that? Because if you're faithful with what God has given you now, he can trust you. Other people can trust you with more. It's that little much principle. And so then he says something that I thought was very good. He said this, so if you've been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, or if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Jesus sets apart worldly wealth from true riches. We think worldly wealth is the riches. That's what it's all about. Jesus says, there's something that money cannot buy. There are true riches in your life, like having good, healthy relationships and a healthy family and getting along with people, like making a difference in this world, leaving a legacy that goes beyond yourself. I mean, those are things that are like, those are true riches. There are things that God wants to give you that money cannot buy. And God wants to give you those things. See, here's what I've learned about God is he loves us and he wants us to experience freedom in every area of our life, especially this one. God wants to bless you. He wants to take care of you. He wants you to be free, but we've got to trust him in order for that to take place. And so what we learn is we read through all the teachings of Jesus, and there's a lot that refer to money and finances. We learn that there's a big connection between our wallet and our heart, Like this issue of money, it is a very spiritual thing. We can say this is the financial part of my life, but it really impacts our spiritual life. And so I wanna encourage you to look to God, to trust God in this area of your life so you can experience financial freedom. And so I got a few thoughts, a few practical ideas on how you can do this. This is how you and I can find financial freedom in our life. Number one is this, determine my priorities. If taking notes, write that down. Determine my priorities. Everything in life really comes down to priorities. Finances really comes down to priorities. Here's a scenario for you. Look at the scenario. Two families. One family, they bring in $50,000 of income a year, but they spend $55,000 a year. Family number two, they also bring in $50,000 of income a year, but they spend $49,000 a year. Question for you, which one of these families is going to experience financial freedom? Family number two, right? Because they are spending less than what they make. Can I just propose to you that financial freedom is not about how much you make? It's about how you prioritize what you make. It's about what you're going to spend, what you're going to invest in, what sh- how you're going to manage and steward this money that God has given to you. So it all comes down to priorities. That's the difference between these two families. It's priorities. So who or what am I going to prioritize my finances in? And I think that how we spend our money, it really shows uh, if if God and, and and if our spiritual life really is a priority in our life. So I wanna encourage you to put God first in your finances. I just think we should live a God first life every day, everywhere, every time, every place, in all areas. So we had that Matthew six passage that Pastor John Mark read. And verse 21 said this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. See, Jesus is speaking to our heart. He's saying this, this is a heart issue. You're going to desire that. You're going to, your heart is going to go there. Whatever it is that you treasure and long for, whatever you worship, whatever is your God, that's where your heart is. And then he goes to this whole passage, like, look at the birds. You know, they don't worry. They aren't stressing. Why are you stressing? And so his solution to all of that is, don't worry. Stop worrying about all this stuff. And you're like, yeah, easier said than done, Jesus. Because then our mind just kind of wanders. We tend to worry, right? But Jesus says, don't worry. And here's his solution. Verse 33, Matthew 6. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Make that the priority of your pursuit in life. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything. Say everything. everything. It's a key word right there. Everything that you need. Seek first his kingdom. Seek for, what is his kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God simply put is this. It is wherever Jesus Christ is acknowledged and served as king. That's his kingdom. And I pray that describes your life. This is how I live my life. Now, when when we get saved, we experience the salvation that Jesus has given us. We become a new person, new creation. We're also a new citizen of his kingdom. We are kingdoms of, or we're, sorry, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And now we get to experience as citizens of his kingdom, we get to experience his power. His purpose, everywhere we go. If we live a life that acknowledges and serves him as the king of our life. You see, in his kingdom, there's only one king. You know, the word kingdom literally refers to king's domain. That's what it refers to. And so in his kingdom, he's the king, not you or me. He's the king. So if I live in this place of God's kingdom, I'm acknowledging Jesus as my king. He's King Jesus, and I can experience his power his presence. I can see his freedom work in every area of my life. I want to seek a life that that is putting the kingdom of God, my citizenship first. Seek first his kingdom and it says and live righteously. Hey, the only way we can do that is by trusting in the grace of Jesus. You and I cannot live a perfect life, but when we have accepted what Jesus has done for us on the cross, now God the Father looks at us through the cross. In light of the cross, you are you are righteous. You he sees you according to the grace that he has given you by what Jesus has done on the cross, and you can live a righteous life. So keep pursuing Jesus, live in his kingdom and walk in his grace. And here's what Jesus promises. I'll give you everything you need. You will be okay. I will take care of you. That's a promise that you and I can trust from Jesus. So this is the kingdom. I would call it a kingdom first life. We're living a kingdom first life. What does it mean to live a kingdom first life? It means to give God first in every area of your life. Here's some examples of that. uh, I'm giving God the first part of my week. So by just being here, gathering here, saying, God, today belongs to you. I'm giving you this day, the first day of the week. I'm going to gather with your people. I'm going to grow. I'm going to worship. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to live for you. This day belongs to you. That's putting God first. It's also giving God the first part of my day. When you get up, make that the first thing you do. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time in his presence. Okay, go to his word. Just read, learn from him, and just enjoy the presence of God every morning. Okay, so I'm giving him the first part of my day. Number three, giving him the first part of my finances. This is making him the priority of my life, even in this area of my finances. So I'm giving him that tithe, that first portion, that first fruit of my finances. And then number four, the first part of my decisions was I'm wrestling with decisions, especially those big ones in life. Go to God first. God, what do you want me to do? Speak to me, show me, lead me. I want to hear from you. I don't want to mess this up. Go to God first. This is you and I just living a kingdom first life. And it's all about priorities. That's why I want to encourage you to put God first in the area of your finances. You want to find freedom? Put him first in this area of your life. Deuteronomy 14 is one of the places in scripture you find the this. Tithe principle talked about all throughout scripture, but Deuteronomy 14 says, bring the tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and your herds. I hope that you did all of this this morning. (laughs) Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. See, there's a reason God wants us to put him first in our finances. We learn something as we do that. It teaches us to honor the Lord, to fear him. And to fear God simply means I have this awe and reverence of how incredible God is. And I just want to live for him. I just want to please him in every area of my life. As I put God first in my finances, this is what I learned. I learned what it really means to fear and honor the Lord. You see, something happens when we put God first in our finances. We realize that, <laughs> one, we need His help in this. And so I'm, I'm acknowledging, okay, God, I need your help in this. But also, I realize I can be pretty selfish. And as I put God first in my finances, I am breaking that selfishness over my life. I'm breaking that spirit of selfishness, that spirit of pride, the spirit of like, it's all about me and it's all for me. No, I'm saying, no, it's all about you, God. Now, we don't obviously take care of our flocks and herds and all that kind of stuff these days, but we are managing our bank accounts and our IRAs and our savings accounts and all these things, right? So. As we apply that principle to, to us today, it's important that we're putting God first as we manage all of these, the finances that God has given to us. I could illustrate it this way. So you make a dollar, you got a dollar. You know, one response to that would be this, right? It's mine. Look what I, look what I did. I got it. You know, and and so I'm going to figure out how to spend this, how I want to spend it and remember whatever I clench my fist to and hold on to. That's what I'm going to stress and worry about. This, what we don't realize this is I think I'm controlling it, but actually it's controlling me. So I have this posture now that I've ruined my dollar bill. I have this posture. God, thank you so much for giving me the ability to even make this. How do you want me to use this Lord what do you want me to do with this and then you divide it up and you start telling your money where to go have you learned that if you don't tell your money where to go it has a mind of its own and it will figure out places it wants to go have you learned that That's amazing how money does that. It's it's the whole phrase like, if you don't tell it where to go, you're gonna wonder where it went. Tell your money where it's supposed to go and first, you're going to God because God's first in my life, not you. And so you take that first portion, that 10%, say, God, here you go. You're first in my life. And I declare that not just with prayers every once in a while, but now with my money. And then you start telling the rest of your money where it needs to go. By using a thing called the budget and making sure you're managing, you're stewarding everything that God has given you the best you possibly can. Some of you, you love to budget. Some of you, you cringed when I used the word budget. And regardless where you're at with that, if you struggle with that, let me just say, we've got a really cool opportunity for you called Financial Peace University that it starts next month. And so the timing of this is is very good because we want to help you be free in the area of your money. And maybe you need to sign up for Financial Peace University so it can help you in this thing called stewarding what God has given you. I'll never forget when I was a teenager and I first started making money. I had a great pastor in the church that I grew up and he talked about tithing and you know giving that first 10% to God. And so I'm making money now. I'm working for my grandpa at Renta Refrigeration every Saturday morning from nine to noon for three hours, five bucks an hour. I'm bringing in $15 a week, baby. <laughs> I'm 16, I drive a Toyota Corolla. I don't need much gas money. Uh, That was, I mean, I'm making $60 a month, approximately. I am rolling in the dough. This is all I need right now. And I loved working for my grandpa. Rental refrigeration is is world famous within Lewis County. (laughs) And I I loved working there. I worked the counter and helped people, took phone calls every Saturday morning, and it was fun. But I was making money for the first time in my life. You know, I'm driving around, I gotta put gas in my car. And so, and I gotta buy all my Christian rap CDs at the Christian bookstore that I was way into at the time. And there was one, there was one point in my life where I owned every single Christian rap CD that was available in the world. <laughs> it's true, actually, very true. <laughs> so, um, I, but I, I started that principle of tithing as a teenager and $6 on $60 a month isn't, doesn't seem like much, right? But it doesn't matter what you make, 10% can feel like, ooh, hey, that's, that's a lot, actually. That's like a couple trips to McDonald's right there. I can get a couple Happy Meals. For that, right? You start thinking about what I could do with that money. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I could do this. I could do this. But I I started practicing this principle and I'm learning firsthand as a teenager, God, I'm putting you first in in my financial life. And what I also learned was how spiritual of a practice that was. And I also learned that, man, this truly is an act of worship. Is I'm giving God worth in this area of my life. And it's been a practice that I've had ever since I was a teenager. And you want to know something? I've had seasons of lack. I've had seasons of plenty, but God has always taken care of me and my family. He will do it. He will always do it. And, and here's what I've learned. Some of you have seen this before. It's like what God does with the 90% is way more than what we can do with the 100% because he is God. That's, right. That's just who he is. You know what's interesting about this tithe thing is God didn't say, give me the tithe. He said, bring it. Bring the tithe. Reason he says he doesn't say give it to me because it already belongs to him. In fact, all that we have, our whole life belongs to him. If we're honest, like Jesus gave everything for us, guys. He gave his whole life on the cross so that you and I could have salvation. We could be forgiven and free and walk in His grace, and we could have a relationship with Him. We are free now we have an eternal home that he is preparing for us right now like he's done everything for us he's gone all in for us and isn't it a shame sometimes we just kind of go part way in with him and this is one of those areas that we sometimes go part way in let me just encourage you to respond to Jesus how he's already responded to you he's already gone all in for you so respond back in the same way he did for you okay number two Number two is this. Decide to get out of debt. Okay, I'm going to help somebody here today, okay? Because some of us here, this debt thing is a big deal. So did you know that the average household, the American household has the following, has over $14,000 of credit card debt, over $58,000 of student loan debt, and over $31,000 of vehicle debt. Now, you may not have all of those, but you might have one or two of those. And if you have credit card debt, you're you're lumped into that statistic there. The average American home has over fourteen thousand dollars of credit card debt. If you have student loan debt, you feel the pain. You really feel the pain. Can I can we just be real and just say this whole like financial stress, guys, is a big deal for us that's why I think it's so important for us to talk about this. Because I truly believe with all my heart is that God wants to give you peace and freedom in this area of your life. And when you start thinking about all the debt you have, this is where it becomes like, and I just want you to know that whatever debt mountain you're staring at, God is bigger. Because remember, he is the solution to all of your problems, all of your needs. You can trust him, he can help you. But debt truly is bondage, it's not freedom. And God wants you to walk in freedom. And so you've got to decide now, I am going to get out of debt. Psalm 37, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. You want to know how you're going to get out of debt? You're going to be generous. You start thinking generously. The reason we're in loss of debt is because we live for ourselves more than we realize. But being generous is how we're going to get out of it. And if I don't have a plan to get out of debt, then I'm going to live in a continual state of wickedness like this verse is talking about. So today is the first day of football season, week one. There's a lot of men in America right now that are super excited about this. And also there's a lot of men that are struggling with this. Maybe they already did it. Because it's week one already, and some people are at home right now watching the American God on television. Right? Can I call it that? Okay, I'm just being real because it's uh, that. It was my God for a while too. Okay, so when the Seahawks lost the Super Bowl a few years ago, I was depressed for three weeks. And I realized, maybe I care about this a little too much. A football game shouldn't affect me that much. God slapped me across the face and said, "Yep, it's become a God." So, okay, I just a I, I, first-hand experience, OK? But A lot of guys might've done this, maybe you're thinking about this, consider this, like I gotta watch my team on, I gotta get a new big screen television. I gotta not just get the the TV because they have horrible speakers on these new TVs now. So you have to buy the surround sound system. So I'm getting that 7.1 surround sound system. I dropped 1500 bucks on that, but I can't afford it. I can't pay it. And so I finance it. This is awesome. Now I can watch my favorite team, and it's gonna feel good, it's gonna look good, it's gonna sound, this is gonna be amazing, I'm gonna invite all my friends over. And over the next couple years, I spend way more than I should have because I financed it. And what I did is I added to my debt. Credit card companies, finance companies, banks, they love it when we finance things because they make billions off of us and our stupidity. If I just had a little more patience and I saved up enough money, I could actually buy that with cash and not And save money in the long run. So I want to encourage you, don't add to the debt you may already have. Don't do it. It is not worth it. And again, Financial Peace University can help do what it did for me years ago. Can help kick you in the financial rear. And get out of debt. If this is a big deal for you, I promise you. It costs money to be a part of Financial University. But I promise you it's worth it. It's worth the investment. And once you watch this video and, and listen to these stories and these testimonies about how Financial Peace University has helped some people. Most stories, Most uh, stories yeah. that have a happy ending don't feel like it along the way. <laughs> We borrowed for everything. Want a new couch? Go finance it. Want a new TV? Go finance it. Want a new car? Go finance it. My whole philosophy was credit cards. I'll just work another week, swipe the card. Everything kind of started to crash. We started to see our marriage drop away. I personally owed $750,000 in debt. I was totally hopeless. You need to decide if you want
1: to be wealthy or if you want to look wealthy.
0: When somebody told me about FPU, I grabbed hold of it like a life preserver. It gave me hope that we could make our marriage work.
1: Knowing where your money's going is a huge life changer.
0: Nobody owns me anymore, nobody. It opened up communication big time. All of a sudden, we were back together on a crusade. We changed our family tree. I'm here to do my debt free screen. Yeah,
1: how much have you paid off? $456,000. $89,000. $120,000. $394,000.
0: Three, This financial peace stuff is working. People are getting out of debt and they're becoming millionaires.
1: We are the first generation that are millionaires.
0: And we've given more than we ever imagined we could give. I now have a net worth of $1.7 million. Hope is real. There are actually limited amounts of spots for financial peace you so if you're interested you better sign up ASAP and uh, it's going to help you God wants you to be free in this area of your life guys I want you to be free in this area of your life Hebrews 13 says this keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said never will I leave you never will I forsake you that's a promise from God you can take home you know we can trust him and His word all these words of Jesus that Jesus says trust me I will take care of you I'll give you everything you need all these we can trust like Jesus is the one who said I'm gonna die on the cross but then I'm gonna rise from the dead he predicted his own death and resurrection and then he pulled it off that is somebody you and I can trust with our life and then before he ascended into heaven he says I'm gonna come back I'm coming back so Jesus is coming back friends in the meantime, I just want to encourage you to live a life that fully trusts me. It goes all in for him. And he says this, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. You will never be alone. You will never be forgotten. That's a promise for God. But what we got to do is make sure that we live the first part of that verse out there. And it's this. Don't love money so much and learn to be content with what you have. You content with what you have it's something that you and I can learn but there's this desire inside of us that battles this contentment I call it the desire to acquire be on your guard against the desire to acquire because it, it hinders us from being content There's a popular verse many, many of you have probably heard this I can do all things through Christ who yeah, yeah. A lot of you, are, you've heard this before, right? I love the, the, the true context of that verse. This is what it is. Paul says this. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. Paul learned it. Whatever the circumstances, he said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And I just say that when you rely on his strength, you can do anything. And if this area is a tough area in your life, maybe it has been a stronghold, maybe you've struggled to really trust God in this area of your life, let me just say, rely on His strength, His Spirit who is alive and at work within you. He wants to help you with this. He wants to empower you with this. And the Holy Spirit can help you, can teach you, can learn you how to be content with whatever you have. It is possible. Paul says, I learned it. And you and I can learn it as well. But we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, to show us this, to teach us this. In our own strength, we just want more. That desire to acquire, it grows. And we feed it and it continues to grow. But what if we were just content with what we had? I think you'd be more happy. I think you'd experience more joy. And... Honestly, the the happiest people I've ever seen in life, the people who feel the most joy in life, they had nothing in comparison to what I had. But they did have true riches. And they were content with whatever they had. They were living some of the most happy, freeing, joy-filled lives I have ever seen in my life. can help you and I be content with what we have. So this is all part of making sure that we get out of debt. we got to decide to get out of debt. Some of you, this is going to be a huge monumental thing. Determine my priorities. Decide to get out of debt. That's how I can find financial freedom. Discipline myself in, in small financial ways is number three. Number four is discover the joy of generosity. We'll get to those next week. those because those will help you and i grow and walking in financial freedom but i just pray that you and i would be generous people we want to be a generous church and we have a kingdom builders project that we're going to be giving to in just two weeks i'd love for you to start praying about this how much would you like me to give to this And every Kingdom Builders project that we give to, 100% of it goes outside the the walls of our church. We've had several projects this year. And Kingdom Builders there's a brochure in your seat around you somewhere. Uh, You can take that home. If you want to take that Kingdom Builders brochure home, you can read about it. But it really is a generosity initiative that we started this year about seven, eight months ago. And it's just a way for you and I to adopt different projects and give towards specific things. And all of it's going to go, all that we give to this project is going to go outside the doors of our church. And we're going to give to a program called Church Rescue. Do you know that there are churches that are closing and dying every week, every month in our country? We've had some happen over the last couple of years, just even in our neighborhood. And I don't think that that's the will of God. And so we wanna do what we can to give financially to a program, to a, a group of people that are doing this initiative called Church Rescue. And so what they do is, is they come to a church and they say, we see, actually the people reach out to Church Rescue, but they go in and they're like, okay, we're gonna coach you, we're gonna mentor you, and we've got finances that we're gonna bring into your church to help you make it, because we believe that your city needs your church. And so it's gonna be a project we can give to and I just love that we can think beyond our church, and just give to some more churches. It's a kingdom initiative. It's for the kingdom of God. And so in two weeks, September 25th, we'll receive a church rescue offering. We'll be talking about that next week and in the following week, but you can pray about that. And whatever the Lord leads you to give, this is just you and I being generous above and beyond what we're already doing. So let me just close with this. Freedom is only found when we live the way God wants us to live. That's the only way we can find it. So here's some next steps. Here's some things that you and I could do. Put God first in my finances. This is a great step for some of us. Put him first in your finances. Register for FPU. But this. You can put this down in your connect card too. Let us know. We'll reach out to you. Make sure we get your name and your email. Oh, I forgot to mention this. I want to issue a 90-day tithe challenge. If you've never tithed before, I want to encourage you, challenge you for the next 90 days, tithe and watch what God does in your life as you begin to tithe to him. 90-day tithes challenge. By your name, your email address, I'll email you, I'll encourage you in the next 90 days, a few times to connect with you. And it won't be like a follow-up just to make sure you're doing it, but it will just be like a, uh, just encourage, cur- encouraging messages that I want to send your way. And then uh, pray about giving to the Kingdom Builders Project. Or maybe this is the decision you need to make. The next step for you is commit your life to Jesus and find the life that he has for you. Find the freedom that he has for you. Here's what I know about God is he, he's not really out to get our money. He wants our heart. He wants our life. And if you're at a place where you say, I can trust Jesus with my life. Here's what I know is Jesus has life and has blessing and has freedom, has forgiveness and grace for you today. Maybe that's a decision you need to make. Put your trust in Jesus today. Would you stand to your
1: feet? And let's pray.